0: ladies and gentlemen today i have a very special guest his name is dr mark Helpern. and mark and mark is a bit unusual in that to the outside world Uh, dr Helpern was a confident and capable chiropractor with a growing practice but he was hiding a double life Dr. Mark excelled at sports and loved the the rush of the extreme outdoor adventures, yet he was also a man suffering from crippling anxiety when not caring for a patient or skiing down a steep mountain. It began in childhood, but his anxiety dogged him through his college and into his adult life. A family man with two kids, he desperately sought solutions in traditional and behavioral therapy uh, and the new emergent stress reduction self-development practice. Several solutions showed promise, but inevitably would take months or even years to make any progress. Nothing had the impact he sought until he began to discover the power of creating coherence. And and Mark has written all about this in his book called Coherence Revolution, and we will delve into this a great deal. Welcome, Mark. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Tell me, when did you first start feeling anxiety or first noticing you had an anxiety condition?
1: Well, for me, it really started... Um, Well, well over 35 years ago, it was uh, in my early, early teens. You know, I grew up, my recollection is being a very happy, well-adjusted child. I had lots of love around me and lots of friends and I did well in school, you know, so everything uh, in my memory, it was a, it was sort of a very happy childhood until maybe around 12, 13, grade six or grade seven. That's when sort of the normal what I would call high school teenage angst started. Uh, And for me, it it just started at first with sort of this rumination. I would start thinking too much. I had some insecurities that were developing. And then as it went on and on, just the insecurities and sort of um, anxiety started to show itself. And the anxiety got worse as my thinking patterns got worse. And really by the time I was 17 or 18, I realized that I was developing a problem. I just didn't really know how to stop it. And so my journey of sort of what I called my never-ending search for answers started when I was about uh, 18 or 19 years old, just starting to search for what could help me with anxiety. And I really just always felt that I was going to find that solution right away. And as soon as I found it, I could go about living my So so
0: I'm going to stop stop you there, Mark, because I want to go into what anxiety was for you. You know, anxiety is a bit of a buzzword in this day and age. Yeah. And and everybody sort of has an idea what anxiety is, but I really want to know what it meant for you so that people can identify it for it. Uh, Was it, were you referring to panic attacks? Were you ever for just free floating anxiety? What exactly was anxiety in your life? For
1: for me, it was, it was generally a daily, it was a constant feeling. So it wasn't so much a panic attack. It was this at first low level and the low level could increase as maybe a situation uh, dictated, but there was always this low level of anxiety. I described it in sort of the pit of my stomach, that feeling as if, You're about to go write your final exam, about to jump out of an airplane, about to jump off a cliff, those kind of scary, anxiety-provoking things. I always felt that in the pit of my stomach. And then as that fight-or-flight system would rev up, then it would come into sort of my face or head area, as I described, and it would be, become sort of an emotion. And that's when, you know, whether it was crying or screaming or doing something to just let it out, it was almost like a valve that had to be, you know, let out, the energy had to go. And so for me, it was always just this ruminating mind followed by the pit of the stomach anxiety, like you're really nervous about something. Even if there wasn't something, um, you know, really uh, obviously nervous to be about, I still had that feeling.
0: Okay. Now now that's very discomforting and very, very hard. I mean, did it interfere with your daily life? Like when you were doing your regular activities, when you were doing things, did it inhibit you?
1: Well, you know, I found, uh, from a very early age, before I got into spirituality, before I even got into the science of how, how, you know, coherence or how relaxation and self-regulation works, I realized from a very young age that when I was in the moment, 100% in the moment, I felt no anxiety. The anxiety was always when, you know, you've heard the saying, idle minds can be dangerous. You know, when you're, when you're just sort of sitting there and letting your mind wander, my mind always started to ruminate on things that would be scary or, uh, you know, fearful or something uncertain about the future. And so, yeah, it really affected my daily life in terms. Uh, my mind was always racing. There was always thoughts uh, going on, and those thoughts produced that anxiety. And it was this, it was this never-ending sort of uh, pattern. And so it really affected just about everything I did. But I never stopped. In other words, when I was going to chiropractic college back in the early '90s, um, you know, I was only 20 when I started. But I had anxiety all the time, almost every day. Uh, and there were times I'd have to go into the bathroom and do some. Breath work, do some type of technique, do something to calm myself down and then get back to, you know, my normal, uh, you know, whatever I was doing. Uh, That carried into my practice. There were times that I'd be with patients and I'd be terrified of the next patient to come. However, then a patient would come, I'd get in the moment with them and I'd be great. Uh, So it was always the moments between. And a lot of my a lot of my time at home or, or or with my family, a lot of it was spent doing self care or finding self care or figuring out how to take care of myself because there always seemed to be the urgency to get rid of the anxiety so it really did affect just about every aspect of my life and even as early as nineteen or twenty i you know this was in the early nineties I had to reach out to some of my closest friends. And there were some friends that, that were at least honest with me and they weren't prepared to go down this journey with me. You know, I said, look, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety. Uh, I'd love to be able to reach out and maybe use you as a support system, be able to talk whenever I needed to. And there was, I had some great friends that were like, absolutely anytime you need it. I also had some people that were honest and just said, look, that's not kind of what I signed up for. Uh, and I, I sort of you know, uh, pulled back from some of those people. So I had to have some really honest conversations as a late teen, early 20s uh, person, because yeah, it was affecting every aspect of my life.
0: Well, that's huge. Yeah. Were there triggers for your anxiety? Uh, could you name certain triggers for it? Or, or was it just always, as you said, always there? It was
1: generalized. I mean, I think I had things very typical ones. Um, you know, obviously now after 30 years of doing a lot of work, I've, I've figured out a lot of the stuff, but I think there was always the underlying uh, not good enough themes, you know, always trying to keep up with those around me. And so that could leak into finance that could leak into my professional life that could leak into my, my, you know, relationships with loved ones simply because it was always trying to be good enough in all situations. And I think for me, it was always this big fear of, of things not working out. And so I always had to do everything to try and make sure they did work out in a general in a general sense. And so it really was this whole trying to live up to the I'm good enough uh, belief system that really affected me all through my teens and in my 20s and really into my 30s.
0: Yeah, that's huge because obviously you've now been able to overcome it. You become a successful chiropractor and become things in your life. And you didn't let that destroy you. You didn't let your anxieties destroy you. you. You climbed the mountain of adversity and got to where you are despite it.
1: Yeah, people would not have noticed. I mean, now in the last five to six years, I've been so much more open with my patients, my family, my friends. I've designed this course. So, you know, I've come out on social media and just said, look, this is the stuff that I was going through. Uh, but no one would have known because, a, when I was in the moment, I felt great, so if I was literally just with a patient or even with friends at times, they would never have known uh, but even in those moments that it was terrible, I was able to pull myself together and i I, I never missed a day of work I never uh, you know skipped out on things and stayed in my room, uh, even though there was uh, the urge to do so just about daily um, but I just I, I refused to let it get me, so to speak. And, you know, tw- if I'm being honest, that may have actually led to some more of the anxiety because I refused to stop. I refused to let it, uh, you know, let the anxiety beat me, so to speak. And there were probably times in my life in my 20s and 30s that I should have backed off some things, let myself heal, taking the time to do what, what was necessary. Uh, but because I had goals and dreams and I didn't want to let anxiety beat me, I kind of pushed through. And in some respects, that was a great thing to do. And in other respects, perhaps I would have healed a lot sooner if I didn't push as hard.
0: Are you surprised how common anxiety is now that you've looked into it?
1: Well, I wouldn't say surprised. I It, it does What shocks me is that to this day, you know, I get people every day coming in my office and especially just because of the topics that I talk about, I have patients telling me about their stress and people think that their stress is the worst stress, that nobody will understand the stress that they particularly are going through. And that, you know, if, if anybody else understood it, they would realize why it's so hard for them And, you know, once you start to talk to people and you realize, well, there's so many people going through the same type types of anxiety and people are really searching because they're lost. They don't know what to do. And quite honestly, it's very confusing. You know, for me, I did so many different things. I attempted so many things. And it was this hope where you start something new, whether it's a therapist, a therapy, a book, a course, you start off with hope, like this is going to be the thing. And then you dive into it and you give it a day, a week, a month, a year. And then when, when you realize, oh, this isn't going to be the magic pill, then there's disappointment followed by frustration and then followed by hopefully getting inspired to try something else. And then you go through the whole process. And this was really my 30-year journey of sort of hope followed by disappointment, hope followed by disappointment. And it's because there are so many different options, so many different routes. Um, you know, It's one of the reasons I, I wrote the book and did the course is because I want to save people some of that time and money and frustration
0: uh, by hearing about my journey and the things that worked and the things that didn't work. So what do you understand to be the process of anxiety? You know, how does it come about? Is it a wiring problem? Is is it a different problem? Is it a biochemical problem? What do you understand about it now that you didn't understand when you were just experiencing it?
1: Well, you know, I remember I remember uh sitting in a lecture. Um I used to do I still do, but I haven't done them in a while, these meditation seminars. Uh, and one of them I did was with uh Dr. Joe Dispenza. And uh, I remember him talking about this concept of anxiety as an addiction. And it really just resonated with me this this whole idea that when you think certain thoughts you produce different chemicals in the brain, which are the stress hormones, the stress hormones release those, you know, are released. And then you create this feeling of anxiety, adrenal rush, however you want to describe it. And then as soon as you get more of that adrenal rush and you feel more anxiety, then your brain starts to think more thoughts. And then as you think more thoughts, you produce more chemicals. And then the process just keeps going to the fat to the point where your body is, is looking for the next thing to create stress because you're so used. To creating those chemicals, and so for me, it was almost as soon as I, I I finished one problem, my brain would go, "Yeah, great, you finished that problem." But how about this one over here? That one's going to create some anxiety, and then it would create the same process over and over again, and it becomes this neurological program. And sometimes the anxiety comes even before the thoughts because it's just so ingrained now. And so for me, it was really helpful to look at it in this route because it wasn't about the reality of the situation externally. That was the problem anymore. It was more about the neural programs that were going on in my brain. And I I felt like if I could recognize that, well, then you can start to break those problems and you can start to create new patterns and new programs. And that's really what I did is over time started to create new uh, set, a new set point for stress. Because as I saw it, I was practicing anxiety every day without knowing it. I was just doing it over and over and over, and it became a practice. So I, I, I literally practiced anxiety. And so I started to do the opposite. I started to practice gratitude and love and joy, practice creating happy chemicals in my brain, practice creating happy chemicals so I can get used to creating those. And the more I started creating those chemicals, I started to feel more joy and more happiness and it became more familiar. And so for me, it was this process of of really understanding that it was a pattern that I created, but it would have to take me creating new patterns to get out of it. And, uh, you know, you can't just sit in that stuck pattern and expect it to change.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Now, Mark, what makes your process different than all the other programs out there as you said there's dozens perhaps hundreds maybe thousands of programs out there what makes your program so different
1: well the great thing i think about my program is that it it's all about the self inquiry it's all about the individual so for instance in the 6 weeks The heart of the course, pun intended, is that I'm teaching these heart math self, uh, self regulatory, self regulation techniques. So you will learn a technique in the program. However, what makes it different from all the others is it gives you the time and the guidance to literally dive into every aspect of your life. We go into the senses. So for instance, you'll go into smell and taste and sound and sight, and you will talk about subconscious beliefs. We'll talk about words and the way they affect you. And then each week, there's worksheets so that you literally get to dive into each aspect. So this week, if you dove into sound, the idea would be to find out what types of music stimulate different emotions for you so that there is certain music or certain sounds that might uplift you and make you more exuberant. There might be some music that makes you feel relaxed and calm. Well, I want you to figure out what works for you so that at the end of the course, you have a a toolbox that says, if I want to attain this emotion, I can listen to this music. I can put on this essential oil. I can look at this picture. I can talk to this person. I can go do this activity The idea is that you're identifying the emotions that you want to feel, and then you're going to be discovering all the different ways to elicit those emotions so that essentially you're designing your dream life based upon what worked for you, the foods that worked for you, the tastes that worked for you, the sounds that worked for you. And now that you've got this toolbox, you can start to say, great, at this time of the day, I'm going to stimulate this type of emotion. And the way I'm going to do it is by doing all these things that I've already said work for me. And so if you go through the process and it's fun, you know, we call it home play as opposed to homework because you're supposed to have a bit of childlike curiosity. Curiosity to me is the opposite of anxiety because you're curious about what's about to happen. You're not afraid of it. And so the idea is to be curious and to look into what works for you. And by the end of this process, what's different than everything else is you're not just following someone else's you've created your own daily life process as opposed to trying to live the same life that you've been living and not getting the results you'd like.
0: I have a friend who has social anxiety who literally in some situations can't get into him. He was driving me around one day because I had an ophthalmology appointment and My eyes were dilated and then I had to go to a rotary meeting where I was going to give a speech and I invited him to the rotary meeting and he couldn't literally go to it because of his social anxiety. How would a program like this help him?
1: Well, what I find with people uh, that I've spoken to with social anxiety, I've had bits of it, because mine is generalized, I kind of Have the luck of when I get anxious, it can be about anything, you know, any uncertainty, Uh, but people that have social anxiety, the idea is that they're stuck in this fight or flight um, response as soon as they want to get out into the world or, or go do anything. And the idea with the coherence revolution is that there are things that you can do in the moment to create just a little bit more balance, change your physiological state just a little bit in the moment, so it might be a specific breath work that they do. Um, HeartMath has different techniques. So for people with social anxiety, if you're about to get out of the car, you might go in to do two th- two or three minutes of this breath work to give you some of a different emotional response. Uh, but, but for those people, it will be the trial in the air. It's going to be, hey, if I... Do this to stimulate an emotion? Do I have the courage now to just get out my front door and Did this allow me to do this? Was I able to get out of the car when i when I spoke to this person? Maybe there 's someone who calms you and you can speak with them and they 'll be on the phone with you when you get out of the car and go into the store. So the idea is to use your world around you and use your senses um, so that you can make these slight changes. You know people are trying to make decisions in very stressed out um, physiological states. And so the purpose of this is to say, you're not, that's not a great state to make that decision. You know, if you're wanting to get out of the car, but you're in fight or flight, well, I can't just tell you to get out of the car. First, get a little bit more coherent, change your physiology a little bit, and then you'll see it's a lot easier to go do it. So the idea is to pause, do something in the moment, and then move about your day. And so if you've got social anxiety, I would want them to have a list, a toolbox. Literally, they can open their phone and say, in this situation, these are my 10 go-tos. And then they got to just try them. And the idea is a few of them are going to work better than others. And that the the value is understanding what actually does work to help you get out of that car.
0: Okay, let's go and just define what the flight, fright, fight reaction is to people. You and I know what it is. sure. But our listeners might not sure. know what it is, so let's let's take a step back and define that for people, so that sure. we're not leaving them in the dark.
1: Sure. Well, the fight or flight system was designed. Uh, we have something called the autonomic system. The autonomic system is a, is is the part of our nervous system that controls everything that's automatically done, and half of it is called the sympathetic, and that speeds you up generally, and the, the other half of it calms you down, slows you down. That's the parasympathetics. But the sympathetic system can produce something called fight or flight, which is when there is fear in the body and there's your brain is warning you that some danger is approaching. That was a very valuable uh, process to go on. If you think about when it was created thousands of years ago, when a bear chased us, we needed to get from where we were to a cave and be safe. And so what happens is the body says, okay, let's recruit all of that energy. We're going to get all the blood flow from your digestive system, from your immune system, from your urinary tract system, all of that blood flow, all that energy is going to your muscles so that you can run as fast as you can away from that bear. Now, in that moment, your digestive system, your immune system, your urinary tract, all those processes, they're not really happening because everything is so important for you to get to that cave. Now, theoretically, when you got to that cave, the system should calm down fairly quickly. But fast forward thousands of years, And now we have people that are entering fight or flight due to an argument with their boss or at home or with some loved ones or a stressful situation happens, and it's triggering this fight or flight response. The lights, the sounds, the sirens, everything is is stimulating our nervous system. And so now fight or flight is being stimulated in inappropriate situations. And not only that, it doesn't calm down. It stays and it can elongate. For me, I would be in a fight or flight situation for hours or days at a time, uh, you know, it seems. So the idea is we don't know, uh, our bodies don't know sometimes how to calm down on themselves because they're stuck in this program and the fight or flight becomes an automatic uh, trigger. And so the, the the concept for coherence revolution is how can we regulate our emotional state? How can we change that so we're not stuck in fight or flight and we're choosing more renewing emotions, the emotions that uplift us, the emotions that recharge our energy and give us the ability to be more resilient and more adaptable.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And I think that's very important there, Mark. I think what you're allowing people to do is get unstuck and get back to a normal or, or a more normal pattern for their bodies. And that allows them to have some some freedom from this anxiety that's so so prominent in their lives
1: yeah well that's exactly it and as soon as as soon as people make the connection that they have some control that they can change their physiological state hope hope returns you know the the idea is that most people feel stuck and they feel caught and they don't know that they have any control over it, it feels like it's happening to them and they don't know any how to, how to get out of it. And so all of a sudden, you start teaching some simple tools um, that will help you get out of that uh, um, serious or, or really flared up state. And then you start to gain a little bit more control. And every time you gain a little bit more control, your confidence goes up that you can do this. And the idea is even having that attitude, I can do this reduces anxiety. So I teach, you know, in some of my breath work, literally when you're breathing is just to breathe in specific attitudes. Because if you're if you're going around all day just breathing in the attitude, I got this, you know, this is, I, I'm on top of this. It inspires you and it literally starts to change your physiological state.
0: Now, that's huge. But well, Mark, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life Show. So I'm going to ask you a pointed question. How do you, Mark Halpern, live a fantastic life?
1: It's a, that, that's a, that is a huge question. Um, the way I've managed to live a fantastic life has been with complete conscious effort because my natural tendency from a teenager was not to live a fantastic life if I let the fear take over. And I realized I had all of these patterns underneath, but that if you're doing conscious work and you consciously choose the way to live, You can change your emotional state. So I literally have designed a process in my life, which involves meditation. It involves breath work. It involves uh, sleeping. It involves exercise. It involves doing date night with my wife. It involves reading. I've created a life process that as long as I keep to my process, I'm inspired and I live my life in an inspired way. If I fall off the process, well, I just got to get back on that process. What I'm trying to do is eliminate the I'll be happy when thinking, which is I'll be happy when you get to some external thing. You know, I'll be happy when I graduate or when I get money or when I get a house or when I get kids or whatever the I'll be happy when is. It's always about delaying that gratification. The process that I've set up for myself. Uh, allows me to be inspired on a daily basis, I get up and I do the things consciously that keep me inspired. And I think everybody can do that and to be able
0: to live an inspired life. That's huge. Well, Mark, I've got to thank you for spending this time with us and sharing your wisdom with us. How can people get in touch with you and your world and find out more about your program?
1: Sure. My uh, The website is www.coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022. So if you go to coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022, all of your listeners can actually download uh, the ebook for free. I want people to have the information and to start reading and diving into it. And there's also a code if they do want to take the six week live online uh, course. It's on Zoom. Uh, it's a six-week course, and there's a 50% off discount for you there. So if you do want to start to change your life and, and get some support in doing it, uh, you can do that as well. So coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022.
0: Thank you very much, sir. And thank you. I want you to have a fantastic day. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. To our listeners, I hope to talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.